this is Listeners, welcome to this brand new episode of Warped Celluloid. I'm your host, Jack Rourke, with my co-host... Chandler Williams. How you doing, man? How's it going? I'm good, Jack. You know, summer, it's uh, it's going. It's working. Yeah, you know? it's, it's good. I mean, it's good, although being stuck inside all the time with it being this hot out is uh, not ideal. Yeah, I get that. It makes me just look forward to the fall. At least we got some earned some good moves to distract us, like the one we'll be talking about this week, which would be The Men Who Stare at Goats. My name is Bob Wilton. I'm a journalist. I've been investigating a story about a classified government program. <laughs> so what you're saying is that you were a, a psychic spy, a Jedi warrior. I'd heard that the U.S. government was training psychic soldiers and that Lynn Cassidy was the best of the best. I've been reactivated. I'm on a mission. I could come. Lynn's story was unbelievable, crazy, and completely true. We have to dream a new America that no longer has an exploitative view of everyone. You will be a psychic weapon. Feel it, yeah! You must create warrior monks who can pass through walls and see into the future. Congratulations, Scotty. Sorry it doesn't work out between you two. What are you doing? Cloud bursting. Keeps me in shape. And it's gone. Jeez, you had like the whole desert to drive in, Lynn. Please, please. Thank you for, uh, for picking us up. How are we gonna stop them? They've got guns. We're Jedi. We don't fight with guns, we fight with our minds. Holy... I went looking for a story. And my friend Lynn brought me an adventure. It's okay, we're Americans. We're here to help you. What happened? I think I just ran him over. Oh, crap. Lieutenant Colonel Django used funds from the project's black budget to procure prostitutes. That's a lie. And to get drugs for himself and his men. That, well, the hooker thing is definitely a lie. So, here's a funny little thing that happened. For once, I'm not the one who who chose this. Uh, Chandler, you introduced this to me first, if I'm not mistaken. Did I? Yeah. I remember, like, I think I I saw it in your letterbox. Like, you you saw, I think you gave it, like, a perfect five. Oh, yeah. I'm like, really? Yeah. Like, you think I should check this out? I'm like... Yes. This this movie is criminally underrated, in my opinion. Um, I I have to agree. I have to agree. I wish it got more attention. I wish... Absolutely. I first saw it um, about a year ago, say like last summer, um, and I thought the casting was just exceptional. Absolutely made this film. Um, I, I just love the tone all around. But uh, yeah, looking forward to talking about it. 
I do too. I do too. Uh, I think my first exposure for it, like long before I actually saw it, was about ten years ago when it was first coming out. I saw an ad for it on TV, and it was just the scene, or that quick scene of uh, George Clooney in the bunker looking at the at the goat, and just like awkwardly staring at him. Like little nine year old me was just like, huh? <laughs> I was just, I wasn't even like off put. I was just confused. <laughs> yeah, this, it's it's definitely a strange one. Um... Especially I how for much of the, how weird a lot of this would look out of context. Oh, I'm sure very weird. I I hope it gets one of those Twitter accounts that just like takes stills from it with with the subtitles and just does it out of context. <laughs> they do that for everything. They do a lot of it for Netflix shows, honestly. That's a great uh great idea. What what's your favorite part about this movie, Jack? Favorite thing? I actually like that. Uh, it shares something I like about Ed Wood, and that it's it's really funny and it does kind of mock its or in subject matter, but it's also sincerity and gets or in its the mindset behind it. Exactly. Um, I think that plays well with the dark humor. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I love dark humor. And I think this is I do a, too. a great example of it, uh, just how good it can be. Um, I think... I'd say less dark and more bizarre and out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I would still consider it dark, but um, just like bizarre comedy. Um, I originally thought it was directed by the Coen brothers. I was going to say, it has that feel, but it, it wasn't. It was actually uh, one of George Clooney's uh, buddies, Grant Hesloff. He was a producing partner on a bunch of stuff like The Ides of March. I think he also produced a couple of Coen Brothers movies. Yeah, nice. And um, I know he's mainly a producer. I know he's... Yeah, I looked at his uh, letterbox. It seemed pretty bare. But um, th this seems right up the Coen Brothers alley. I'm sure they liked it. Yeah. I, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they were fans. Was this? I think this is only directorial. Director, well, this and a short, or in a short film, or an indie movie called Par Six about golf, or about golf in Texas, which I haven't even heard of, let alone seen. Nor I. I uh, just saw it earlier today when I was researching. John Carroll Lynch is in it, so that's cool. I think I might add it to the list. Yeah. Nice. Didn't know he was an enemy of the state. Jeez, that's gonna. It's weird the amount of credits and stuff. Is he's in the Scorpion King, Dante's Peak, True Lies? Wow. Huh. He also so, just appeared in the in the Catch Twenty Two show that that uh, George Clooney did for Hulu, which I still haven't gotten around to, unfortunately. Even though I got friends who and who they know it's one of my favorite book or in books. I'm like, you gotta watch it, man. I'm like, I know, I know. I just gotta find the time. Nice. I still don't have a Hulu. My my family just got it last Christmas, so I think I'll just or, and get around to watching it sometime this week. So, uh, the guy's predominantly an actor, I assume? A producer, actually. Cool. Speaking of acting, let's get to the cast. Well, obviously, there's George Clooney, there's Ewan McGregor, Jeff Bridges, <clears throat> Kevin Spacey. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Steven, or Stephen Lang. Uh, even Nick Offerman shows up for a little bit in this. That feels kismet in a way, honestly. And, and I can't exactly nail down why, though. I, I thought he was great in the scenes that he was in. Like, yeah, he's uh, only in it for like a couple or in seconds, but he is really funny because he's just Nick Offerman. And he, he plays in perfect with the cast and just the overall film. You know he has a cameo in Sin City? The really? first one. Yeah, he does. I'm like, or he's one of he's one of the background around goons. I'm like, wait, that is Nick Offerman. I'm like, is that I'm like, it's it blew my mind when I first saw it, because I've seen that movie a or a dozen times and I still haven't noticed until then. I thought I saw Duncan Trussell as a uh one of the prisoners in the end of this film, but I don't think it was. But that I would wouldn't been... be shocked at all if he showed up and ended up. Yeah, that would have been a great this cameo. Whole... Yes. This whole thing reminds me of the art of self-defense, but for the Joe Rogan crowd. Mm, that I... whole Zen 
that whole Zen philosophy, that whole Zen. Yeah. I, I, I still need to see that, but I, I know exactly what you mean. Um, apparently this, a lot of this is true. Oh yeah. A lot of it is true. And, uh, it's based on a book actually by a guy named John Ronson who, and fun fact, ended up teaming with the screenwriter of this to write a little movie with Michael Fassbender called Frank, which is very much worth checking out for uh, very similar reasons to this. I will add it to the list. I'd love yeah, to. It's to a read funny, book, sweet bro. little movie, and it's work. It's a good. It's a good Sunday afternoon movie. Thanks. Okay, I've seen the pro- the poster for this. Yeah, it's the one with the dude with the giant head, or with the giant paper mache head. Yes, very interesting. It is very amusing. I can bro. Anyway, I also or there's also again the little details I, lo- I love like again Stephen Lang, Ryan Lang being really funny and the, like I love there's this one part in one of the flashbacks. Holy panning or doing is that and he's this doofy smile on his face like he's bright-eyed and innocent that yes. just kills me i also find it really funny this is done the same year as avatar oh really 2009 wow yeah, 2009 like a month before avatar i'm like where you play yeah very different variation on the very same role although much, <laughs> with much more screen presence yeah how how I've, I've seen this by now, I've seen this twice. I think I, I watched a couple months ago on Netflix when it was still on Netflix, and I rented it again last night or night to give it another shot. And uh, yeah, this still really holds up. This is a fun little movie. This is... it is. I, I watched it earlier this afternoon. Very much enjoyed it. Uh, just much the first time. Yep. I th- I noticed a few other things on the show rewatching. Actually, one of which was Robert Ellswood seems to sh- love shooting a lot of uh, sunny locales and like with warm colors. At least in his best work, like whether it's this or Inherent Vice, Inherent Vice, or the the Fifth Mission Impossible movie, or Nightcrawler, a good chunk of Nightcrawler. At least there's a lot of stuff in that. It's night looks beautiful, but kind of gets the whole day thing. I don't know. I like his cinematography. That's all. Yes. Uh, what what shots stood out to you in this film? Because there's one. That... I th- I think the way I mean not maybe the shots, but I mean the color pal- or in the palette. It does make really good use of wide shots, though. It gives you a good sense of scale. Oh, yes. But not in, like, Lords of Arabia way, but it more kind of, like, diminishes everything. Which is why I love, I love when people shoot out de- in desert. It's how it makes someone feel, like, ten inches tall. And so isolated, too. I think it yeah, uh, exactly. works really yeah. well to do that. One yeah, just shot, a lone figure against this vast vista, vista of nothing. One shot in particular that stuck out to me, because I actually saw the shot in, like, a compilation video prior to seeing the movie, was... Um, the really wide shot of the uh, one of the military bases when they're marching and the, the naked guy with the gun comes out into oh, frame. Oh, right, that. That oh, shot that is impeccable. Yeah, that scene is the closest thing this movie actually comes to, I think, being dark, dark. Yeah. Like, it almost becomes Michael Haneke for a second. <laughs> like, funny. I mean, it was hilarious in the most dark way. Which... Yeah, well, it's either that or the part where they're they have a dude locked up in a cage with flashing blue lights playing the music from Barney. <laughs> okay, which, so, by the way, that's part of the thing that ended up being real, or at least according to the original book. Which I actually looked into a little bit. This is a fairly straightforward adaptation. This is... I could see that. I, I yeah, know a lot of the a lot of the details in the book are here present in the account of four. I know a lot of these. Um... I mean, the stuff of this program ran parallel with the MK Ultra experiments, which was hundred. That wouldn't surprise me. That yeah, surprise me which was one hundred percent true. Um, so I mean, I could see a lot of this film, you know, being true. There's a part. I think they're in the cafeteria, or like this wide hall in the New Earth, Ar- the original New Earth Army base, and there's this mural back there. It looks like an Alan Parsons project album. Yeah, it does. I love it. It's so cheesy, and I love it. 
Oh, that's awesome. Allison, I know. I, I think the first uh, band. Oh yeah, I love Eye in the Sky. I mean, Sky. I got some of their greatest hits on vinyl back in the back. Nice. Nice. I actually do th- think it for as forget silly as it gets at times, and for ri- as ridiculous as it go as it goes, I think there there is something well, if not grounded, at least sincere about it. I would agree. Yeah, Ian Ian McGregor's arc. I yeah, he's it's not an one of his best performances, but it's it does what the job needs to. He's the audience POV character, and uh, he does go through through an arc. And I love how the without giving in too much away, I love how the film bookends. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the first um, scene, or be, or compl- how it complements the last. A beautiful contrast. And just a great indie yep. shot uh, with Boston. Yeah, oh, with God. The, the way the throughout. doing is so good. I mean, yeah. Like that one shot where it's just zooming through in George Clooney's eye, and it's just going all through all these vast natural vistas. It's Yeah, this sums up the mood of that song perfectly. I'm like, Absolutely. It, it, it adds like a, a psychedelic undertone to the film. That's fair. I mean, there's one part where they literally give everyone in the military base acid, so. Which was absolutely hilarious. I wonder if this movie got one in the U.S. Army's, um, or in military's approval to do this, because if you want to use, or in a, this is something I'm not sure a majority of people know about, is if you want to use Army stuff, or in stuff like tanks and, or in, and guns and stuff, you have to get your script approved by the Pentagon. I remember you telling me that. Yeah. And that's, a, that's an right. awesome And if fact. you don't, here you have two options. You either get, or you either make actually three. You either make changes to your script and make, or until they're happy. You get when you get weapons and stuff from another country, which could look phony, which could at best or look kind of cheap and at worst completely phony, phony. Or use decommissioned stuff, which isn't even guaranteed to work. Mm. I I doubt this was um, approved by the military. I mean, I also don't think it was much of a problem because this thing had a budget less than thirty million. Oh. Uh, I mean, like, true. There's not it, much action, in, like, at least in the traditional terms. I don't think too. it portrays the U.S. military in a positive light, which is not, I mean, not, not a thinking. horrible light. I've, I've seen worse. It's not yeah. Tapped. Yeah, I mean that is one thing I did enjoy about the film, um, just because it highlighted that you know war in the Middle East, which I think more films should do, um, especially yeah. now that it's a, like quote over. But uh, well, at least at least we feel distant from it, even if it's not entirely over. It's exactly. Still, it feels in. In the past. I have an interesting proposal for a triple feature. Shoot. Jarhead, The Men Who Stare at Goats, and War Dogs. Oh. Yep. Nice. Maybe make it a quadruple feature and throw in Black Hawk Down for kicks. Okay. Yep. I was going to say, this... Definitely the first three. Like, a, a was... war in the Middle East. Yeah, but... Totally, totally a different a tones. triple feature. Do you like... Mission, uh, Mission accomplished triple feature. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there before the grace of God go I. Anyway, this actually does remind me a bit of War Dogs, only with a, le- a far less mean-spirited tone. Yeah. Um, because I this movie really doesn't have contempt for its characters, although the ending is just as ambiguous in different ways. I like- I'm not sure we, with, if we can go into it, the movie opens with Stephen Lang's char- character just like pensively staring into this wall. While announcing he's going to run right through the wall, or in the wall, like it's the or that I don't know that wall, when that alley in Harry, one of the Harry in the Harry Potter train station, I don't remember what it's called. We're gonna call it "Don't Jump on Me, Nerds." Nine and three quarters. Right, that's it. Right, that's it. Anyway, he and he doesn't pass through. In fact, he just slams straight into it and falls to the ground. Ring ground. But at the which end, is pretty funny. Which admittedly is really funny, and it does set the tone well. 
But at the end, we see Ewan McGregor now after he's gone through this whole existential journey and partially, I don't know, enlightened. Is the way to put it? I would agree, yeah. And yeah, when he finally builds up the courage, takes a deep breath and well, runs towards the wall, and unlike Stephen Lang, he actually passes through it. Cut to black, which, roll credits. Yep, with Boston playing in the background, which that put, put such this movie already had me with a, such a big smile on my face. Oh, me face. too. And I'm like, it's a good note to go on. That capped it off yep. perfectly. It also is interesting how, do you think there's anything ambiguous? Like, do you think it's real or do you think it's in his head? Because I have to imagine it's in his head. Him running through the wall? Yeah. Like I how mean, the end yeah. of Taxi Driver was debated to be, or whether or not that was real. Like, um, I mean, I, I, I could see it either way. I think it works for the film that, you know, yeah, it's, I th- it's quite I'm glad real. they don't explain it. Like, they don't Yeah, explain. exactly. It also makes the book end, I mean, book end work all a little bit more because we've already seen it fail once before. It's actually kind of, it's oddly satisfying to see it in a, or it actually work. Yes. Did it work before? I meant fail before. Damn it. <laughs> Retired man. I'm surprised to see the critical reception of this film so low on Letterboxd. Yeah. Two and a, I figured. I'm like, this wasn't horribly reviewed. It's more mi- or mixed. Uh, it's not It's not as specific a taste as like Yorgos Lanthimos or Repo Mint or Alex Cox or a few other or films, but it's definitely not for everyone. Exactly. Um, it's more of a modern, not for everyone, and like mainstream. It's, a, it's, a, it's it is still palatable though. It's not confu- Is that it's a very easy to follow. It's decently. Pe- and they put a lot in for ninety three minutes. They fit a lot. Oh, absolutely. It's one of those things that catches me off guard. Actually, I didn't even make that a note. I'm like, huh? They managed to fit all this in like le- or in less than two hours. That's kind of that's actually kind of impressive. Is that no, and yet none of it doesn't really feel glazed over, except for the stuff that really I mean, doesn't factor into the main story. And it feels like a big budget two thousands film. It doesn't feel like you know the budget was like I, I think like twenty five million, which is weird because I don't think this is a major studio film, was it? Because mm-hmm. I don't see a logo at the beginning. I don't think so, but it feels yeah, well, it, it feels like it. Yeah, it is. It's shot like it. It's got the same talent. Probably it has to be George Clooney, I imagine, because he was a producer on. It's not, it's funny how much weird stuff George Clooney has produced over the years. Like, I remember uh, he was actually a guest star on uh, South on South Park because he saw the original tape that was circulating of the short that had got it greenlit by Comedy Central. Well, he was a fan of it. He went to Trey Parker and Matt Stone. And was like, I want to, or I don't know how you're going to involve me, and I don't care. I want to be involved. So, in one episode, they had special guest star George Clooney, and he just earned a voice to Chihuahua that was barking. That's it. <laughs> no actual spoken lines of dialogue, just barking noises. I respect they, that. They asked him to come back for the movie too. Right, too. Uh, he played an ER doctor who switches Kenny's heart out for a baked potato. <laughs> That's two jokes in one. That's two. Or one, re- the or the obvious idiocy of it. Two and two. Uh, Clooney got his start in ER. I respect that. Uh, actors produce weird things. I'm looking at. I a, love it when a scanner when, darkly. Yep. Was Keanu Reeves the producer on that? Was he? Uh, I think it's cool that Linklater directed it. Yeah, Linklater has a very interesting... I wish he did more animated stuff like that in Waking Life, because the technology is legitimately impressive. I need to, I need to see it. Oh, right, Clooney was a producer on this shit. So was Steven Soderbergh. Huh. wonder what else Steve Soderbergh... Didn't even know... There's a lot of stuff I didn't know, I know he produced. I didn't know he... He's produced stuff for like guys like Greg Matola and Todd Haynes, and he, he, he produced Pleasantville, too. That's it. 
Huh, I'm learning all sorts of fun things today. <laughs> oh yes, every day. I do like actually the film's overall, well, it's not message, at least the theme of that, the net positive of having a strong, of having strong beliefs, even if beliefs are well silly. And they may not be true. Yeah, right. Yeah, they give you like a Zen state of mind. Like it's what you gain from it that's more positive than the actual, than what you actually say. Which I don't entirely agree with, but I find interesting, and I think it actually could raise an inter- a good discussion, isn't it? Yeah, and it's it's a solid message for a film. Yeah, I like saying. when I like when films don't um, necessarily choose a side to an argument, but they just that, they pose yeah. a, an intriguing question. Which I'd argue is the most difficult thing to do, actually, because I'm like it, it's so easy to slip into impartiality without actually saying anything. Or anything, but I'm like it is possible to say anything without necessarily siding or siding with one particular party. Yeah, it's difficult, but it's possible. It's difficult, and it's. I, I think it's the best films do that. Yeah, like I mean, it's harder when I mean, it's easier when you have like one story. So when it's not something like traffic or crap or in crash, when it's all these converging thing or things where it's just more a broad picture than anything actually to say about it, like. Like, I watched Traffic last year, which, it's good, and I think it holds up, but I'm not sure it deserved Best Picture. Speaking of uh, Soderbergh and Clooney, speaking of... <laughs> I'll just put that one on the watch list. Yeah, it's interesting, even, and it actually is very much a moment-in-time look at how America was dealing with drugs and whatever Christ... And in the war, and the last, or in the remaining days of the war on drugs, I guess. Mm. Which I guess is still going on. Going on, but it feels less culturally important. Or, uh, wait, less important, more omnipresent because drug use has been so normalized in culture now. For good and for ill. Yeah, that's a total different like, discussion. But, but... Like, if you light up a joint or something, I won't judge you, but like, maybe not shoot, maybe shooting up black tar heroin isn't the best idea. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. The, the war on drugs, that's, that's an uh, interesting topic I would like to see more movies tackle. I th- I think the closest we've gotten is I don't know. Thank you for smoking mm. with uh, Aaron Eckhart, but that's yeah. more that's specifically about the tobacco industry in general. Well, yeah. it's skate both skating and kind of fair or fair, which I'd love to tackle if we could. That's a great film. Yep. I, I like Jason Reitman in general. I like. Yeah. yeah. Going back to George Clooney for a minute, I don't. E- oddly enough, I don't even think he's the best performance in this movie. Really? Who would you say? Jeff Bridges. Mm, yeah. Totally. I mean, it's not exactly unfamiliar territory for him. Like, there's a good chunk of the beginning of his appearance that is just the dude again. Just <laughs> the dude, but if he was around in Vietnam. Yeah, and I mean, more outspoken, I guess. I like how much range... Uh, I think one of the best ways you can talk about an actor, I think nerd, nerd writer brought this up as Jack Nichols in a video, isn't the amount of emotions they can play convincingly, but the amount of variations they can play on a single emotion, or an emotional mm. mood. Like, <laughs> Jeff Bridges is able to play the Zen thing in a lot of different ways he can do it ser- or serious and soulful and something like crazy hard harder cutter cutter's way i think he's in cutter way he can do or do it amusingly and stuff like the big lebowski or lebowski and in here it's a bit of both actually like near the end it becomes kind of tragic or tragic when you see him burn out or mm. burn out and if not cynical at least detached or yeah detached kind of regain that through Ewan mcgregor's character that's a great way to put that um, I really like uh, Ian McGregor's performance. He's, I mean, he is good in this. He is good. It's just the hard thing is that it's hard to make you know audience POV characters great. Like they're good. I mean, like it's easy to make. It's also incredibly easy to make them you know, not good or just nothing. 
or stock characters because they're I mean, they are supposed to be the window into this world. Mm, yeah, but McGregor does a good job, and I do. I mean, I think the fact that you give they give him a clear character arc helps. I would agree. Yeah. With a lot of, with a lot of audience POV characters in terms of how they're written. I I mean, it ride the film rides on this joke a lot, but I'd love uh, him asking what a Jedi is. That's just so funny. Yeah. I'm surprised that there weren't that many Star Wars references, honestly. Like, there's a couple of lines of dialogue, but they don't they don't use the music. They don't. Or they don't use. Or they don't use this actual iconography. They just mention it a couple times in dialogue. I'm kind of thankful that. Right, yeah. no, because I could have seen that being really cringy. Yes, I like how separated it is, but I mean, for the quote keen viewer, it's hilarious. Incident, incidentally, this came out the same year as Fanboys. Ooh, these Star, these Star Wars fan, fan film about them trying to meet George Lucas at Skywalker Ranch, which, funny enough, has a screenplay. Uh, was the only screenplay credit for Ernest Klein, the guy who wrote Ready Player One. Interesting. It's, it's not great, but it it is kind of fun. Kind of fun if you were nostalgic for the like very early days of nerddom taking over popular culture. Mm. I'll give it a watch. Yeah. yeah, I do. I mean, I do love Kevin Spacey's performance. He, he he's it's got a hard to talk it. about now for reasons I won't even go into because let's face it, you've known about it if you if you're listening to the this. But I think he does play a really convincing absolute dick in this. Yeah, he always like, he, plays a great villain. I remember there was again. I hate Rain referencing other people here, but there's a zero punctuation video that just Rain sums it. I'm like, he has two faces: smartass and Rain getting hit in the face for being a smartass. Mm. Which I have a hard time disagreeing with. I can I can get like, behind that. Yeah, he is he's basically a rat bastard in this. I can't think of a better word for it than that. <laughs> Good God, what he do- you mentioned the shot of Rain, that one dude uh, Rain putting the gun, Rain shooting Rain at the military compound, and Jeff Bridges trying to calm him down, Rain down. Uh, the way, I mean, the lead up to that is honestly the cruelest thing in the entire movie. Not a knock against <laughs> yeah. it, probably just the dark the moment that actually goes into pitch black human darkness. I mean, I thought it was kind of funny too. It is. It is really funny. It's just probably the darkest joke in the whole movie, is what I'm yes. saying. Yes, it's like giving someone a bad trip. Um, oh, wait. Well, it's not the only bad trip in this. Oh yeah, but it's probably Done the worst. Spacey, yeah. Oof. Oof. Anyways. I also find it funny that he's basically like, "Look, I'm only in it for the money, or I'm only or in this for, or in for the money, or in money, and like for shallow, re- or in selfish reasons." And I want to like take the whole thing o- over, like how he rats out Jeff Bridges' character at the end. I like that he has clear goals. Yeah. Yeah, like the court, or, in, or in, like the part where they're in court, or in court, he's like, I mean, he used it to get prostitutes for and drugs for his men. I'm like, well, well, the hooker thing's true. <laughs> well, not true, or not true. Yeah. I think that gives I also a good setup for the. Uh, sorry, you were saying. I think that gives a good setup for the um, drugs coming back into play in the end. Yeah, it does. Oh, it does. Uh, actually, now they mention it. But what were you I saying? I also uh, it sets up later when when they actually are rescued by the New Earth Army, or, or the new or the reformed New Earth Army, <laughs> where it looks basically like a standard military base, or in, ba- or in base where it's, or in, it's like or in, what's it called? One of those talk shows where they just like or in, what's the word? Not focus group, like a writer's room, rather than like pitching back and forth ideas instead of something authentic and uh, down to earth. Oh yeah, like that was a funny scene. The war, I'm like reinventing it for the war on terror, which I'm not sure what that's saying, but it actually, but I'm getting the feeling it's quite in- intelligent. I would agree. The, Big brain time. This movie came out at a perfect time, also. 
Yeah. Yeah, like the tail, tail end of that, or of the, the 2000s, the tail. And like, we were, you know, just starting to, I mean, films were just starting to, I don't know, could critique the whole. Tear, like, yeah. I'd argue what Jarhead does to an extent, even if it is, I mean, if it is, hey, the guys in this war don't do that much, as much fighting as you think. What year did that come out? 2005. Oh, yeah. It's been a while since I've seen that, but uh, I would like to rewatch yeah. it. I'm trying to get through as much of Sam Mendes' film- filmography as possible. Well, lately, I finally saw Road to Perdition a few months ago, and wow, that that was amazing. I genuinely am at a loss for words at how good it is. What's it called? Road to Perdition. It's a be- probably the best lone wolf and cub riff of all time. That isn't Logan. That isn't interesting. I uh, I mean, I by uh, Max Allen Collins, one of the one of the great modern crime writers. I rewatched um, American Beauty a few months ago, and nice, fantastic. I mean, I'm still kind of. I'm not spicy. sure because I've heard there's a lot, a lot of backlash recent, and not just for the reasons you think. Or you'd think, or you think if you read the new news, just generally like I've been hearing, oh, it's pretentious, or pretentious, and a lot of what's saying isn't new. I mean, like, I would agree with that, but I don't know. It's one it, of the films I it's saw. It's execution, high not exactly. I mean, conceptual because something can't because in my opinion, renew, renew, renewness or in, and originality do not come or come from the inherent premise. It comes from how you execute that premise. That's beautifully put, Jack. Yeah. 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 Um, no, that's I. Why, I, why I like Mandy so much is that it looks back to look for or any forward is that yeah, it goes through grind stuff, but then again, I really can't think of anything else quite like Mandy. That I kind really of need to see it. We are probably going to be covering it come October, and I will, and I cannot wait. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what else. I finally saw. Uh, speaking of Rain uh, Perdition, the name I saw it a few months ago. One of the names that was circling around in my head was Sergio Leone, and uh, the film and the film in question. And I finally saw. Well, I finally saw Once Upon a Time in America. Nice. Check that one off the list. What did you think? I, I that was fantastic. I think it works better in individual moments than as a whole. As in, I am very happy I did not watch this in a single night because mm. uh, I rented it from the library. It's for the it's the extended director's cut, not the theatrical, which is only two and a half hour. This is the four and a half or the four hour eleven minute cut. No, what Leone? The closest we can get to what Leone re- originally wanted people to see. Mm. It's it is kind of I do think there are flaws to or into it. Like or in De Niro, every character that isn't De Niro doesn't isn't exactly the best fleshed out. Like. And some actors really only show up for like one scene without much setup or explanation. But there are moments in it that are just beautiful. I mean, God, the last shot. I mean, that more that more Coney score is just chef's kit. I mean, because beautiful. Like it's I mean, it defies wor- I mean, words. One of my, I mean, best his best scores. It's one. Of, it's on my I mean, list. I, I've been meaning to go through his entire filmography. Save it for a rainy day. Save it for. I only have a few more of his film. Films to get through. Duck you, sucker, and uh, his uh, swords and sandals epics that he did before westerns. Mm. Other than that, I pretty much, I am a very big Leone fan. That's for sure. Yes, I will anyway, check those out. Speaking of which, I have another film as a recommendation for the listeners that I mean, I was reminded of when I was watching and rewatching this. Gore Verbinski's The Mexican because it gave me the same vibe. I mean, vibe and game, and I walked out generally with a similar feel or any feeling of that was really enjoyable. I'm adding it to the list right now. I always get so many good recommendations from you, Jack. Yeah, I watch too many movies. I watch <laughs> too. 
other than that, I, I mean, I think the only two gr- and other re- like really really great stuff things I've seen were uh, Tony Scott's Man on Fire and uh, Sidney Pollack's The Yakuza. I mean, which one of my new favorite movies of the seventies? Seriously, this thing has an absolute powers. Starring Robert Mitchum, directed by Sidney Pollack, and with a screenplay by Paul Schrader and Robert Town. Honestly, wow. if it weren't for the fact that I mean, that the first few minutes could, I mean, like I mean, like the first thirty minutes or so could have been trimmed down significantly, I'd say this is a damn near perfect movie for what it is. I mean, it's great as a neo-noir, it's great as, I mean, great as a samurai slash yakuza slash crime flick. I just put it on my list. It's wow. also like one of the few films of the early 70s that I think looks spectacular because I think there's something to be written about I mean, like the transition from 60s Technicolor to 70s is that there, I mean, things started to look dirtier and uglier, which I do love the 70s grindhouse look. We're looking how much grime the film took to it, but I think there is a value in that, in that candy, or in candy gloss, or in Technicolor look, and I think this actually kind of meshes the two, or in the two really well. Also, different DPs, one, or one for the America segments and one for everything in Japan. Wow, I mean, I I do like both both of those looks, and um, yeah. like it, it it all depends like what's being shot and the subject matter. Yeah. I think once upon a time in Hollywood and uh, in tracking down some of the stuff that Randy T- Quentin rest or in Tarantino uh, referenced in it, it made me appreciate '60s Technicolor. Mm, like yeah. Point Blank, or in John Borman's Point Blank is an exceptionally good-looking movie to use. Or in using a lot of other stuff. Is that the one and, with Keanu? Uh, the one. Or in, well, kind of. It was one of the movies that inspired John Wick. Okay. Point Break is the Point Break's the one with Keanu. Point All Blank right. is. All right. It's actually based on uh what the parker books the rich i mean one of the uh default defaults in the crime in the hardcore crime pulp genre interesting the first book is a legitimate classic like it's inspired more inspired it's inspired of everything from and from that to john wick and wick uh jason statham played the role a few years ago and uh mel gibson actually did an adaptation of it with brian helgland the guy who wrote uh the guy who wrote ellie confidential wow nice well one thing I rewatched recently, I haven't been watching the, um, as many movies this past week, but uh, one thing I did rewatch was uh, 500 Days of Summer, which I watch every year. And, uh, so beautiful. I, I, lo- I know people tell or I know that, or that I've seen a lot of movies and people tell me I've seen or a lot of movies, but you'd be genuinely be surprised by how much famous stuff I still haven't seen. Yeah, same, same here. Point this. I actually haven't seen 500 Days of Summer yet. It's the best relationship movie I have ever seen. I th- I might actually watch it with a double feature with high fidelity. Okay. Because I remember seeing nice. that back right around I think around Christmas, and I'm like, yeah, I'll... I think I might binge the Hulu show too. Anyway, what? final ratings for this. Mmm. I would say maybe eight point five. Yeah, I give it. A, it's a solid seven for me. Like speaking of the mix, I've developed like a whole list on Letterbox of what I call the solid sevens, like movies that aren't perfect. That aren't perfect, but are and don't really amount to more than pretty good. Good, but the, but you like them anyway, and you'll be and if they come on TV, you'll happily put them back on. Akru mm. Banzai is this way for me. The, the Mexican is what. I understand that. Flash, even Flash Gordon is like this for me. I'll send you. I'll probably put the whole list in here somewhere. Or somewhere we all have or have this list. Like they're not exact. What we can exactly call the best movies, but some of these we can actually list as our favorites. Somewhere. Yes, which is totally fine, by the way. Or in a way, not every one of our, fa- like pe- your per- personal favorites list should re- reflect your personal favorites, not the stuff that you think makes you look good. Oh, good. Like, 
that's so very well put. Lister for or, or for like well yeah we're being on honest and not like keeping up appearances shouldn't at least they shouldn't be. Yeah, and listener, if you have not already, I highly recommend looking at Jack's letterbox. It's impressive. And Chandler's too. No much. Oh, mine's 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 fine. But yeah. uh, yeah, Jack's your your letterbox your letterbox <laughs> is amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I like using. I like using it. For, like, there's times where where I will write something serious, like a few paragraphs. But, but that's only if I like have. I do have a lot to say. Like, sometimes less is more. Other times, I'll just put like jokes. Like, I I think I remember watching uh, the fifth Star Trek movie, movie, and the only thing I put was a YouTube link of Shatner of the Mount. <laughs> Captain Kirk is climbing a mountain. Why is he climbing a mountain? Have you ever seen that? I have not. I have not. Oh, I'm sending that to you as soon as we stop recording. You send it to me. I, I yeah, use it, Letterboxd mainly just to like find other movies, see what you know yeah. everyone else is watching. That's mostly how I used it. I remember uh, I won a year ago from like a in from a contest into a YouTube comment section or a section, and then it, we're like I got we're around to finding all these other movie movies. It's like I think it's like, one of the things I recommend to people is think about your favorite movie or think about what's what you like that's popular right now and think about what's inspired that. Go down that rabbit hole and then look into what's inspired that and the one who inspired that and et cetera, et cetera. It's exactly. probably the easiest way to do it. It's either that or find directors you like and like t- or make a note of what you haven't seen by them and knock those all out in a weekend. But it's all on an easy-use app. Yeah. It's, it's IMDb if it was streamlined. The best way I can describe it. Yeah. Sponsored by Letterbox. Wink, wink. Sponsored by Letterbox. I think Criterion is giving us um, giving us the stink eye right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just kidding, guys. Yep. Anyway, if you like the show, or show you can uh, and uh, you want to send us questions, just ask or just email us at uh, warpcelluloidpodcast or at gmail.com. If you want or follow us on Twitter, warp, just at warpcelluloid. You can DM us there, I think. Or if the DMs re- aren't open, I'll make them open. Send us recommendations too. We'll uh, think about looking into sure. them. Like, look, if you want something covered on the show, absolutely tell us about. Unless it's Shrek or the Room, we will <laughs> never talk about Shrek or the Room. Stop asking about <laughs> Shrek or the Room. Yeah, uh, it, um, you'll you'll know what's you know what you're covered <sighs> and what's not. Yeah. We have a pretty anyway, broad yet specific range, I would say. That we have now have six months worth of episodes behind. Wow! Right behind us, happy nice. year in here. And actually, I'm really excited for what we're going to be talking about next weekend. When we're gonna, when we're gonna do the first thing we've done uh, since five April, we're gonna have a special guest on the next, on the next show, or on the next show to discuss a certain of, uh, well, not not loved at the time, but now it's very much got a you know, much popular reception of Michael Mann film, right from uh, 1986. That's your hint. <laughs> who's the Who's the host? There they go. All will be revealed in due time. Ooh, indeed. Anyway, th- th- thanks for we're in listening, everyone. We're in one. We we're in, we know we know not a lot of people listen to this now, but we're hoping to grow the audience. Whoever's listening right now, thank you. Th- we're in. Thank you. We're in very much. We could. Yes, we appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And we we love doing this. Yeah, it's fun. It's if only just to check out movies. <laughs> Definitely. Like, yeah, I'm like I can. I'm like I can watch. Or until my brother's walking about like, what are you? And you're just lazy. We're like, no, this is for research. Research <laughs> quotes. And just film discussion, you know. Oh, speaking of which, I I actually when I rewatched this la- last night, one more tangent. I showed it to my mom because she really likes George Clooney, and she was like, that was weird. 
like, but I mean, she didn't hate it as much as she hated of uh, Art of Self Defense, which, wow, that was. I don't think I've ever heard a group of people laugh that much and end up I mean, turning on a movie that quickly in its third act. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening. This has been Jack, I mean, Jack and Chandler signing off. Peace out, Peace. man. See ya.